0: as we continue part two of our River of God series. Um, it's a theme, as Rob shared last week, that uh, runs, or should I say flows, through Scripture. See how many river puns I can add in this morning. But uh, we looked at Ezekiel 47 particularly last week, this, this wonderful picture of the river of God flowing out of the temple, bringing healing, bringing hope, bringing life. And and this theme, this river of God, flows right the way through, as I said, Scripture. We see it popping up in the Psalms time and time again. We see it in Isaiah. Ultimately, we see it at the very end in Revelation 22. Again, this same picture of a river flowing from the very throne room of God's bringing healing to the nations, bringing freedom, bringing hope and life. If you were here with us last Sunday, Rob kicked us off by talking about the source of this river. The fact that though there are many tributaries, there is only one source, and that is Jesus. He alone is the source of this river of life. And just so you know where we're going... Today, we're going to look at the course of the river, how this picture actually affects us. The following week, we're going to look at the impact, the fact that actually as we become part of this river, so we impact, so we become resources in God's hands, so we impact the world around us. And finally, in the fourth week, we're going to look specifically at how this river of God shapes us. As a church in particular. And so it's, it's really a vision series. I think it's going to shape us as a church. But uh, as I said this morning, we're going to look at the course of the river. How do we actually connect with this river of God? What does it actually mean for us? It's very nice to have a, a nice symbolic picture of a river. But how are we supposed to respond to it? This is kind of the so what question. So what? And we're going to start with where we finished off last week, and that is in John chapter 7. I'm just going to read the three verses, verses 37 to 39. This is Jesus, on the last day of the, the Feast of Tabernacles, standing up and crying out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me, the source and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Of course, this was wonderfully fulfilled on the day of Pentecost and goes on being fulfilled today in the here and now, this spirit, this river of God flowing out into the hearts of all those who believe. So here is an invitation. Jesus himself saying, come and drink, come and draw from the source of life. It's an invitation to become actually part of this river ourselves. We ourselves become channels for this river to flow as we draw from the source of life. In fact, more than just channels, we ourselves become source carriers as we've been singing about, spring up a well in me. This is the the picture that I really believe God wants us to get this morning. We're not just called to be spectators of this river. Not even just called to, to dip our toes in it. We're called to drink deeply from it. And, as, and in doing so, we ourselves become carriers, wellsprings of this very river of God, the very presence of God. Not spectators, but source carriers. We're wellsprings from which God's presence, an empowering, an anointing, flows. Individually, we become wellsprings. I really want us to take this to heart, personally. What does it mean for you, not even just the church? What does it mean for you, personally, as you draw from the source of life itself, as you connect with Jesus, you yourself become a wellspring. To the Samaritan, room, if, the Samaritan woman, if you remember at the well, Jesus in John 14, John 4.14 says, Whoever drinks of the water I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him or her will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. This is Jesus' promise to you. As we draw from him, this spring of living water will be a well within you, springing up to eternal life. We saw this picture. As we said in Ezekiel, of the river flowing out of the temple. Of course, now we're part of this new covenant as Pete was sharing this incredible new covenant due to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Our bodies become temples of the Holy Spirit. Individually, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. This picture of the river flowing from the temple, you can relate directly to you personally. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, because he has reconciled us to the Father, because he has paid the debt of all our sin, he has made us clean. We are now righteous before God. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. As he poured himself out on the cross, he did so so we could be filled up with his life-giving spirit. Corporately too, of course, as a church, we are now a living temple 1 peter 2:15 talks about 25 sorry talks about us being built into a spiritual temple as living stones do you think of yourself as a living stone this is what we're doing as we gather on a sunday As we become connected to the church We are being built together as living stones A spiritual temple Ephesians 2.22 says Where God dwells by His Spirit You've seen the connection here The the, the river of God is is, It's not just an Old Testament picture Looking at the Old Testament temple Nor is it a, a wonderful picture of the future A picture of of when Jesus will make all things new. That is true. But John 7 clearly shows us, amongst other passages we could turn to, that actually this is a dynamic picture of who we as the people of God are called to be. We're called to be the river of God. As individuals, wellsprings, as a church, to see this river flowing out of this living temple as we are being built together as spiritual stones. River of God in the here and now. God's heart is to pour out his spirit on all flesh, to heal, to restore, to give hope. Are you feeling dry this morning? Come to the source. Drink deeply. Be a source carrier. He calls this church to be wellsprings in such a dry And thirsty society it directly involves you and me I hope you're making the connection there this is a daily living reality for us as a church in the here and now and and really the question I want to ask this morning if we're really honest why is it then that we tend to see just a trickle really if we're really honest you know we get we get a taste of this river We see healings and we see breakthroughs, but we're not really seeing, and I'm talking generally, particularly the church in the West, we're not really seeing the church flooded with the presence of God. We get little tastes, but from what you read in Scripture, there is so much more, isn't there? We've had so many prophetic words. So we've shared in the past about there is so much more God wants us to enter into. And so the question is, is is God holding back? Is is God kind of just holding off a little bit? Again, as we read through the Bible, we we see that's not his heart. No, that's not his desire. his, His desire, as I said, he longs to pour out his spirit. He longs to see us. Released in the fullness of all that he has, he's he's the never-ending supply. So the problem, as we often discover, is never at God's end. The issue must be at our end. And I've been really praying through this over over quite a few years now, but uh, God spoke clearly to me again recently. Um, actually, as I was filling up the paddling pool in the garden, we've. Uh, Thankfully, we haven't had a hosepipe ban this year, have we? And so one of my regular jobs this summer has been filling up the paddling pool, and we bought a bigger paddling pool, and it takes forever to fill it up. But I've been standing there with the hosepipe, and sometimes I turn the, the hose on. Nothing comes out. And so my first port of call is to check the connection. Have I actually connected the other end up to the tap? Have I actually made a connection? And I'd say... The first base in us discovering why we are not seeing a greater flow of the Spirit of God, both individually and in the church, is are we actually responding to Jesus' invitation to drink, to come to the source daily? Are we making a connection with God daily? You know, this isn't a one-off drink. When, when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman in John 4, he wasn't saying, you know, just one drink and you'll be satisfied. It wasn't a one-off drink. Now, when you, when you drink of the living water, that's when you realize that nothing else can satisfy. That's when you realize that he alone can satisfy everything. And meet your very needs. He alone can satisfy your thirsts, of which we have many. And Jesus can satisfy every single one of them, without exception. He alone can satisfy. He said you'll never thirst again because of this wellspring that you carry. You'll never thirst again because you carry with you the very source of life. But you have to keep drawing from it. You have to keep drawing from it. The source, once you taste the fact that this is where your source of peace lies, this is where your strength and your guidance and your hope lies. You know, even when we're going through difficult, dry seasons, the promise there is that even through those, we will not wither. Why? Because we have this internal source that's sustaining us. We won't wither. We won't get blown around by external circumstances, whatever they are. Why? Because we have this internal source that we are drawing from all the time. This is the promise for every believer. But are we connecting daily? As I said, this is something God's been coming back to me time and time again on. Come back to the source. Come back to the source. The moment a tributary is is damned or disconnected from the source, it quickly dries up, becomes stagnant. That's not God's will for any of us. Jesus warned about this disconnect, didn't he, in John 15, when he talked about staying and remaining in the vine. It's the same message here stay connected to the source you know he is the only one who can satisfy then it it makes doesn't make sense to try and do stuff in our own strength we'll be looking at that in a little while so check your connection back to my hose pipe if if it is connected and it's all screwed into the tap my next port of call will be well is there a blockage is there a kink in the hose pipe. And actually, with my hose pipe, that is more the reason, that is most often the reason my hose pipe kinks terribly and it's always got a blockage. And the same is true in a natural river. Natural rivers can be blocked by boulders, restricting the flow, stop what should be a fast flowing and free river and, and cause it to, to have to go round. And it just reduces the flow, sometimes down to a, a trickle. And I think the same is true for us as the people of God. I would say the main reason we are not seeing the Spirit of God flowing as freely as I know God wants, and I know we want, is because there are often things in our lives that are blocking the flow. Again, words have come this morning with regard to that. And as I said, God's been speaking quite clearly to me about this since 2013. Praying personally, stuff in my life that I know God's wanting to clear out, and it's been on a on a real journey. With that one book I mentioned at the time, because I actually preached on this. Those who were around in 2013 did a vision preach. Uh, I spoke on some of this, and a book I recommended was uh, Sustainable Power by Simon Holly. And I just want to read out an excerpt. It's in the um, it's chapter two, I think, of this. But he too has been on this journey and I think we all need to really. He says this, if we have the rivers as Jesus promised that we would, but it feels more like a trickle than multiple rivers, one, only one thing is possible. Something must be blocking the Spirit's flow. I believe this is the reason why Jesus started with the message of repentance. He knew that once he was glorified, everyone would have their own river source placed within them in the form of the indwelling Holy Spirit. However, those who had not had the full depth of repentance would always block the flow of the living river source placed inside of them. Those who experienced the fullest extent of repentance and and mind shift, this renewing of the mind that's so important, they would have a powerful, saturating, satisfying river flowing out of them. Leave the rocks in place, however, and the river will be little more than a trickle. God's heart for you this morning is to know this powerful, saturating, satisfying river of His Holy Spirit flowing through you and out of you. That's God's heart. And so the question we we need to ask the question I ask myself is, is what are these boulders? What are these restrictions that are limiting the flow of God in our lives? and obviously there can be many reasons for this blockage unconfessed sin rebellion etc two that i mentioned back in 2013 were fear and unbelief and more recently i feel god has been highlighting pride as a key area where that limits the flow of god and they they're not Comfortable things to deal with when it comes down to your own life and your own walk with God. But, but God wants us free. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? God wants to set us free. He doesn't want us bogged down and restricting the flow of His Spirit And these, as I said, are things that I've personally worked through and are working through. And hopefully as I go through these three, as I said, there may be many others, and I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit, even now, just highlights any areas in your life that you know that you need to repent from and see that freedom come to those places. But for me, it was those three, fear, unbelief, and pride that God's been dealing with. Because as individuals and as a church... He wants us to be a place where His river of His Spirit is flowing freely through us. So we need to make sure any blockages are dealt with. And I think it's worth saying sometimes there are very obvious blockages. Even now, you may know areas of your life that you know limit the potential of what God can do through you and in you. But sometimes... It can just be the accumulation of deposits. You know, in a river, sometimes it can just, there can just be so much silt and sediment that the, just slows the whole flow down. You know, rivers become so shallow because they're just full of stuff that clogs them. It's not necessarily big, obvious boulders. And maybe in your spiritual walk, you've just allowed unhelpful stuff, ungodly beliefs, unhelpful habits. You just allowed stuff to accumulate and that's reduced the flow of the spirit maybe reduced your passion maybe your zeal maybe even the impact that you have known in the past to those around you so let's just I'm going to whiz through these quite quickly in the time we've got left but as I do hopefully the Holy Spirit will just flag things up and we'll have a chance to to deal with them as well we just want a time of ministry at the end and respond to the words that have already come this morning. So fear. Have you allowed fear to take a hold in your life? That could be the fear of of failure. And I know as a leadership team, we want there to be a culture in this place where it's okay to fail, where we get up and go again, where we're not crushed by it. Because faith is here and we get up and go again. Fear of failure, fear of people, what people might say. You know, there's a fear of man. What, what will people say if I step out in this area? Fear of just feeling out of your depth. Whatever, whatever the fear is, fear locks us down, fear makes us grind to a halt. Any change becomes a a threatening thing. Stepping into something new becomes a huge ordeal, massive ordeal. Fear locks us down, and, and yet rivers are meant to be moving forward all the time. That's what they do. They start at a source and they go out to the oceans. They are always moving forward, and yes, sometimes the current feels fast. We're like, whoa, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. But unless we deal with fear in our lives, we're never going to trust God. Again, that word came about trusting God. And unless we deal with fear in our lives, we're never going to trust God and jump into all he's calling us to. I really want to just encourage you. If that word was for you, please do take it to heart. Ask someone to pray with you today. Fear often manifests manifests itself in the way we like to be in control. And I just loved that picture in Ezekiel 47 that we looked at last week. The encouragement to go deeper and deeper into this river. God hasn't called us to be ankle deep. He hasn't even called us to be waist deep. He's calling us to go so deep that our feet don't touch the ground where we are literally out of control and we have to trust this river, this river of God, trust God, trust his spirit to actually carry us and direct us. That's where he's calling us to be. We we need to allow faith to combat the fear, to take God at his word. Over the summer We visited uh, Colin and Barbara. Many of you will know Colin and Barbara who were with us for many years until they moved to France and they got this beautiful house in France with this lovely swimming pool. And we thoroughly enjoyed the pool. It was like way in the high 30s out there. It was really hot. But uh, our youngest, Ben, really wasn't that confident in the water. And there was a church event that they hosted and there were a whole pile of children who came over and they just jumped headfirst into the swimming pool. They were splashing about. They were all kind of Ben's age as well, splashing about and having such a laugh, such a good time. And there was Ben sitting, actually, it's a bit premature, but that's fine, sitting on the sidelines, not wanting to go in. Because up until that point, he was using inflatables and noodles and all those things, and he felt a bit embarrassed to use those. We knew he could swim a little bit. He'd had some lessons, but his confidence just wasn't there. And he didn't want to show that to the boys. And and, and as a dad, my heart went out out to him as I, I saw him missing out on the fun because of his fear. And so after that, we spent quite a few days trying to encourage him to conquer this fear. And it was actually towards, uh, wasn't the last day, but it was close to the last day. There he was. He conquered his fear and jumped in with both feet without any buoyancy aids. And guess what? He loved it. And there he was, splashing around, enjoying it, loving it. In fact, yesterday I took the kids swimming and he spent basically the best part of an hour Just trying to jump further and further into the big pool, the deep pool at Westcroft. Just just loving it. And you know, that's our Heavenly Father's longing for us. To enjoy life in the Spirit. Not to stand on the sidelines. His heart goes out to us when He sees us locked down by fear. Fear. Not willing to trust him enough to jump in to all that he has for us. He's a father who longs for us to to enter into the joy, to embrace the life that he has for us in the spirit. We need to deal with fear in our lives. Secondly, another boulder that God's been dealing with me is is unbelief. I think this is a huge one in our skeptical Western society and mindset you know we, we simply don't see many breakthroughs so we don't expect many breakthroughs and because we don't expect many breakthroughs we don't see many breakthroughs and it's like this vicious cycle isn't it of unbelief and I, I think one of the, the the key products of unbelief that's, that's manifested itself I think over our entire culture really particularly in the UK is apathy Apathy. I don't know if you've experienced that. I certainly have to deal with it in my own life. That so often we can pick up this, this culture of heaviness. Everyone's tired, everyone's weary, everything's so much of an effort. God, I don't know if I can be bothered it's almost like when you see these these very wide lazy rivers that as i said have got so full of sediment they're really shallow you have to look at them are they actually moving it's actually you have to put a stick in oh it is moving but it's almost imperceptible and i think that's how we can reflect our culture as a church and take on this apathy But ultimately, its root is in unbelief. Because if we truly believed the word of God, we would not be happy to settle for where we're at. We wouldn't be happy to settle. And we need to combat this apathy by watching, I think, what we're feeding ourselves. So often when we're tired, I'm speaking from personal experience here, when we're tired, when we're feeling apathetic, I'll I'll just veg out. I'll watch some telly, play a computer game. I just want to zone out for a bit disconnect from life. We need to be careful what we're feeding ourselves with. And I'm finding increasingly the best way to fight dryness and apathy, the key way is to fill yourself with the Word of God. One th- another thing I do, apart from reading the Bible, which is, I think, the key way to do it, is also read prophetic words that you might have had spoken over you personally, over your family, over the church. That's what I do. I I go back and read these prophetic words. It builds faith in me. It makes me dissatisfied with where we're at. I read books that build faith in me, whether that's biographies or or books on a topic. I mean, this was a real faith booster, this particular one at the time. Still is. Feed yourself. Read God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We, we, We become, as we feed ourselves on truth, We become less and less satisfied with where we're at. And that conjures up a thirst in us. It conjures up a hunger for a greater experience of what we are not yet seeing. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, come to me. Let's work up a thirst for more of God. Let's fight this apathy because at its root actually is unbelief. It's unbelief. I think, still on this boulder of unbelief, I think we need to be careful. Again, this word came through this morning how we handle disappointment. Because handled wrongly, disappointment can also lead to unbelief. Disappointment is part of life. We all get disappointed. We all have to deal with disappointments in relationships in our stage in life. We all get disappointed. And when handled wrongly, as I said, it can lead to unbelief. It didn't happen last time. Why should I expect it to happen this time? I didn't see an answer to prayer. I didn't see healing. I didn't see breakthrough. I'm still here in the same place two, three years on. Faith can diminish Unbelief can take a hold, expectation drops, and, and so we become static again. Fear can take a hold, fear that we're just going to be let down again, so we're not going to go again. Bitterness, resentment can so easily take a hold. You know, These are all strategies of the enemy seeking to keep us from moving forward. As I said, rivers are meant to move forward, always taking ground. And these are enemy strategies, disappointments, resentment, bitterness, unbelief, all things that clog us down unless they're handled correctly. So we need to take, particularly, I think, our disappointments to God, directly to God. Ask Him, be honest with Him, say, God, I'm really dealing with disappointment here. Ask Him to heal you. Ask Him to give you the faith to go again. God knows where you are this morning. I think... You know that one thing with water, it always flows to the lowest point. That's just gravity for you. But I think it's a, a lovely reminder that actually God knows where you're at this morning, and you may feel you're at your lowest point, perhaps that you've ever been, but you are never too low to allow his love and his grace and his healing to reach you the river flows to the lowest place doesn't matter how low you are the river will reach you God's grace God's spirit will reach you third boulder we're going to look at at least this morning is pride and perhaps this is the most subtle one it certainly was for me Um, I think we associate pride with arrogance showing off boasting you think well I don't it's not me take that one off the list But actually, self-reliance is a huge symptom of pride. And I think this is the one area I have to keep on coming back to God in repentance for. Personally, I I have a tendency to fall back into doing things in my own strength. And and I have to keep on working through this. I think it's, it's quite a common one. But the truth is, the impact that God wants us to have on our community, and in fact, in this whole world, is massive. And in our own strength, it will crush us. Jesus said, Make disciples of all nations, of all nations. What a a massive task. He said, Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked, heal the sick, cast out demons. I mean, this commission that he's given us in our own strength will crush us. Or to put it another way, trying to do stuff in our own strength simply limits what God can do because we were never designed to do stuff in our own strength. And God treats that really seriously. He had strong words from Israel when they turned from seeking him as the sole source and going off and digging their own sources. It says in Jeremiah 2.13, They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. This is God describing himself. They have dug their own systems, broken systems that can't even hold water. It's like, if you think about it, how crazy it is. For me to go off and do stuff in my own strength when I have the very source of living water, the fountain of life, constantly at my disposal, why on earth would I try and do stuff in my own strength? It just limits what he can do. The thing is, it's as we trust in, in his power and his wisdom and his provision, his agenda, as we trust him, that's when we realize that is actually his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Are you struggling with, with, the, with the amount you feel that you're carrying? There's two reasons for that. A, you're either doing it in your own strength or you're carrying stuff you shouldn't be carrying and God never asked you to. It's actually not our striving that produces the fruit. It's that image of the trees planted by the, the river produces fruit in season. It's not our striving that produces fruit, but simply from the fact that we are positioning ourselves to draw from the very river of life, Jesus himself. He will produce the fruit in our lives. As we rely on him, fruit that we could never produce in our own strength. If we want God's river to flow freely in this church, we all need to deal with any hint of self-reliance. And just briefly, one more thing on pride. I think it's worth mentioning. Unforgiveness can also be an outworking of pride. Why do I say that? Well, ultimately by withholding forgiveness, we're saying that actually we're better than the person who hurt us or hurt the person who we love. And it's as we humble ourselves, as we combat pride in our life, that actually we then realize how dependent we are on God's forgiveness for us. How much we have been forgiven. It's as we humble ourselves. How dependent am I on God's forgiveness? As we do that, as we deal with pride in our life, it's very hard to hold on to unforgiveness. Again, if... If you're dealing with that this morning, I'd love to pray for you. As I said, the river flows to the lowest point. What that also means is that it's as we bow the knee to Jesus, as we humble ourselves, literally make ourselves lower before Him. That's when we allow His love and His forgiveness and his grace to flow into our lives we need to lower ourselves we need to humble ourselves if the band could come back I'm just going to give us a chance to respond to God individually I'm going to ask them just to maybe play a, a song just minister to us and wherever you're at whether you want to sit stand kneel whatever you do I want to give us all the opportunity to humbly come before God to confess any areas that you know the Holy Spirit has been pinpointing that have been restricting the flow of His Spirit. To repent literally means to turn around, to renew your thinking. It's a mind shift, as Simon Holly explained. You know, in repentance, there's a, there's a putting off and a putting on. There's a putting off of ungodly beliefs, wrong ways of thinking, and a putting on of the mind of Christ, taking captive every thought. We need to do that this morning, and, and it is a journey. For some of you, this, this morning might even just be the start of the journey, but make that start between you and God now. Let's come before Him, the source of the river. Let's lower ourselves in humility and allow His grace to pour into our lives.